Hello, my beautiful Soba Sisters community. If you've been tuning into Soba Sisters, the podcast, then you know that personal growth, healing, and alcohol-free empowerment lie at the heart of every episode. But now I'm bringing these values to life and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Choose from two retreats right now. We have one in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, and it's coming up in this October. So very soon, we have one spot left. You can use the code SOBER200 and receive $200 off. And the next one is, I'm going back to Bali. Yes, you heard it here first. I am going back to Bali in April, 2024. The spots are limited. You need to get into this retreat right now. I offer a payment plan between now and April of 2024. So lots of time to split up payments, to chip away at it. And both retreats offer deep healing sessions with me to nurture your soul, empowering workshops designed to boost your confidence, and memories that will last a lifetime filled with laughter, connection, and personal growth. This is more than a retreat. It's a journey of self-discovery, celebration of sobriety, and an opportunity to bond with fellow Soba sisters in paradise locations. Spots are limited. Book yours now and let's make magic together, sisters. For more details, check out the show notes here or send me an email. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Soba Sisters, the podcast. I'm so excited today to be joined by my friend, and, I, you know, another sober influencer, I guess you could say, uh, Jill, a.k.a. Sober Powered. So thank you so much, Jill, for being here and taking time out of your super busy life to come onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. All right. So I've been wanting to have you on for so long and just pick your brain on a couple things um, that really come forward often uh, that I hear from other women and, and men, too, in sobriety. And that's just... I guess the correlation of anxiety and, you know, alcohol and, and all those things. But honestly, we'll scratch that for two seconds. I just want to talk about you and I and (laughs) friendships, um, and sobriety. And we've been lucky enough to meet in real life and which is really cool. We're both here in Boston. So we're, we're nearby. And so that's been pretty cool. And we go to the same gym and I'm hoping one day we can do some workouts together, but I don't have a lot of like real life sober, you know, friends. How about you? Yeah. It took years for me to meet. I think you were the first one that I ever met in real life. And then I met Anna through you and that was it. But it took like three years to meet someone for real. And I wouldn't have done it without Instagram, even though that sounds kind of silly. But we're lucky that there are sober people all over the world and you can find either them or people in their comment sections in your area. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like weird. I remember like meeting up with you for the first time, even though we had talked, you know, through Instagram and stuff like that before. But it's like, oh my God, it's like first date. Like I'm nervous. Like, <laughs> be like you know, like a first friend date. Um, but it's it, it's just been really cool. So I'm hoping we can you know, meet again sometime in the, you know, in the future. I know we talk about it. We're both so busy. Um, but it's, it's, it's so interesting though. Like I do feel like as an adult, it's harder to meet 
friends and people um, that you genuinely like want to hang out with and spend time with. And it's weird. I hear that a lot that people are still kind of lonely in sobriety and that once, you know, they're like, I'm happier, but I'm kind of lonely. And I still feel like something is missing. And so what would you suggest to somebody who maybe is looking for, you know, those connections and looking for, you know, to meet people? I always had trouble making friends as an adult and I would make them through work and I would find the people that like to get drunk and party. So then we could go (laughs) do that together. And then when I stopped drinking, I'm like, what do I even have in common with people anymore? Who am I? What do I like? Those kinds of things. And so work is an easy place if you like the people that you work with. Um, And I'm trying to make friends at our gym, actually. So this is my new strategy. I'm this girl doesn't know that she's going to be my friend, but it's in (laughs) progress. It's in progress. And if you go to group fitness, you see the same people over and over. So identify a potential friend and then go work out next to them and then say hello. Hey, good morning. Happy Saturday. It's nice to see you. Or, or I'll see you next week. Stuff like that. And then you start saying hello to each other and then it slowly, hopefully uh, becomes a friendship. But it's so difficult. I think doing things with your hobbies, like going rock climbing or taking a class, like going to do something can be helpful or sober communities because there's usually people in your area or sober events in your area. And then they're all just like in the same room from the same location. Right. And then you know that they're all also not drinking, which is really cool. Like, cause then it's like, okay, we don't have to worry about that aspect. I love that. <laughs> That's so funny. You say that about the gym and the, um, cause I only do group fitness too, but I've never like hung out with somebody and I've been going there for years and I do see the same people, but then I don't know, like I just, sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm done with the workout. And then I leave, you know, to go get the kids, but I'd love to you know, meet a friend there. And I got to just put myself, put myself out there more, I guess, is the moral of the story. Yeah. And you should come with me. Pressure. We're saying it publicly. (laughs) I want to work out with you. Right. You're probably really good at it. And then I'm going to be embarrassed because I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) what, and you mostly do like the strength training classes, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get into that now that I'm no cardio 40. Oh, yeah, I need to start doing the, the strength <laughs> classes. But um, all right, well, it's it's a date. It's on there. We're going to definitely make it happen now that the, you know, my kids are back to school and all of that. So hopefully I have some more more time. So what I just honestly really love about your page is, and I know what everybody else, you know, loves about you is just your authenticity and your realness and sharing your story, but also the the scientific spin that you're able to put on everything and the information. I mean, I absolutely love your podcast. I recommend it all the time. You know, if there's something in the Soba Sisters groups so that people are struggling with them, like, and I'll message you and be like, do you have an episode on da 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 And you're always like, yes, this um, episode, you know, 21, 14, and, and you send it to me. It's just so helpful and informational. And I think having information is power and is so important in sobriety. And so something you you talk about often is the correlation of anxiety with alcohol. And then sometimes I hear too, 
okay, I stopped drinking. My anxiety's be- a little better, but now it's it's here again. It's actually ramped up. So I don't know if you want to kind of touch a little bit on the first part of that, which is how alcohol, it doesn't relax us, even though so many people think it does, that it actually induces anxiety. Yeah, it, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But basically, when you drink alcohol, you slow down your brain. So your brain is communicating with itself. Messages are being sent. When you're anxious, there's a lot going on in there all at once. And when you have a drink, your brain slows down, which is why you feel relaxed. But your brain is always trying to maintain balance with itself. So if you're doing this regularly where you're slowing down your brain for no reason or with no effort, maybe is a better way to put it, your brain is going to adapt to that happening to try to restore the balance. So it has this this balance that it's trying to stay at. And if you're dropping your brain activity lower than that, it's going to try to speed itself up to bring you back to normal. And that is why we develop a tolerance and people will drink one glass of wine to relax and then that stops working because their brain has adapted to it and it's sped itself up to compensate and then you need a second glass of wine and then you adapt to that. And the problem is that one or two or three glasses of wine that doesn't work that well anymore, that becomes your baseline for just feeling normal. So you have to drink two drinks or three drinks just to feel not bad. And then when you try to stop drinking, you're below your baseline and you're all hyped up and anxious and restless and your heart's going and your your thoughts are racing and you don't have alcohol anymore to calm yourself down and your brain just expects it to be there all the time because it was before. So it, it takes time for it to learn how to calm itself down again. Because if alcohol is doing it all the time, the brain doesn't really have to figure it out. So it, it makes it really tough. And alcohol makes your heart beat faster, which causes anxiety. Alcohol um, releases stress hormones, like cortisol, which make you feel stressed and anxious. It activates the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight, which makes you feel anxious. It also makes it downregulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and relax. So you have trouble resting because of the alcohol that you're drinking. So you're extra anxious and now you can't relax. And you know 100% if you have a drink, it's going to fix this problem. And your brain knows that alcohol is the thing that's going to bring it back into balance. So it sends you cravings to drink to get what it thinks it needs. And it just really sucks in the beginning for people with anxiety because it gets so much worse and then it reinforces why they drink. But the more you drink, the more this adaptation occurs And the harder it is to stop because your baseline, it gets so much higher. Like you need so many drinks just to go to normal now, not even to anything good anymore. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm absolutely mind blown. I feel like you just explained it all of what everybody experiences and go through, like goes through in like 
a nutshell in one little segment. And just the fact, you know, when you said about we have one at first and, we, and it relaxes, that's kind of how personally, that's how I started out because I was drinking. I didn't really ramp up my drinking until I discovered wine and that it, the whole thing concept that it's going to relax me. But at one point I would only have one glass. Like I could open it. I'd probably fall asleep halfway through it. You know, I would just be so tired because like my kids were little, but then at some point I needed more. At some point it turned into two glasses and then it turned into the bottle. And then it's like hook, line and sinker. I am hooked and I need this and I have no idea how to to stop it. And then I think the fact so many of us believe that drinking, especially the wine drinkers, that it's going to relax us. And it's, it's just crazy because it, it totally does the exact opposite of, as you just shared, it's, it, it, it's such like a freaking mind F that it does that, you know, that it, it, it really does relax us for a second, you know, but what comes with that in the long term after effects, you know, even the next day, it's why it's so hard to get to get out of this cycle. Yeah. Anytime you are getting a reward with no effort, there's a consequence. And the consequence is usually the thing that drove you to drink in the first place. So if you drink because you're anxious, you feel relaxed. But the consequence is now you have more anxiety after and now you're triggered to drink. Same thing with depression. If you drink because you're depressed, you have a drink, you feel happier. The consequence is you feel more depressed afterwards. And now you have to drink again to fix the depression. So, but we don't understand that whole loop because we only focus on the beginning, on how amazing alcohol is and how it helps. And we forget all the rest of it, or we blame ourselves. I'm just a really anxious person. I just can't cope. My life sucks. Those things. And we don't link it to our best friend, alcohol, who is actually ruining our lives behind the scenes. Yes, exactly. And I hear I hear it all the time. I actually have this one friend who she'll reach out to me and I know she wants to quit drinking, but she's always like, well, I'm just really stressed right now and work's super stressful and the kids are stressful and you know, and money issues. So just right now I can't, but when, and I'm like, ah, oh, but you don't understand. Like, this is what it's making all of those issues 50 times worse. Like your work stress wouldn't be as stressful if you weren't, you know, hung over or having these consequences from drinking. And it's just so hard to explain that to somebody because, you know, who's in it. And I know it because I was definitely there too. And that's why, you know, your podcast and all the information that you provide is so helpful for somebody, even who, someone who hasn't stopped drinking yet, somebody who's like wants to, it's the information that you can provide, you know, when they're curious is just, just so huge. I love that. Do you get a lot of people? Thank you. You're welcome. Do you get a lot of people who are like, haven't quit yet? And they're just curious and they're like, where do I start? Or, you know, I don't know if you get that a lot. Oh yeah. All the time. I have a lot of listeners that still drink and are working on understanding their own drinking or they're a family member and they can drink, you know, like a quote normal person and they want to understand their spouse, kid, parent, friend, whoever. So they listen. Um, I think just understanding why 
we do the things that we do and why we feel the way that we feel is really helpful. I mean, that's what helped me the most, understanding that it wasn't that I'm just like a big loser with no willpower or self-control and understanding like why this stuff was actually happening to me. It just helped me move on a little bit. Um, And it is hard for people that are in it because your brain like doesn't work fully and you can't, it feels like your brain is working normally, but you can't like process thoughts as you would if you had some distance from alcohol. And it seems like alcohol is helping or like your friend, it helps with stress. But when you're on the other side, you're like, no, the alcohol causes chaos. It's making stress for you. It's making you more dramatic and emotional and easily offended. (laughs) And everything feels like a bigger deal because of the alcohol, not because of the situation um, most of the time. I was so dramatic. You would have hated me. (laughs) I don't believe it. No way. No, I do believe it because I was the same way. Everything was like, and was the end of the world everything. And now like, it's weird. I, it takes a lot for me to get like dramatic like that again, you know, like for the most part, I'm like, all right, everything's figure outable and we'll, I'll get through this. And the way I just handle big stressors is so much better. Not saying I'm not stressed. And that's another topic for not, you know, you and I've been talking about that just because now you're not stressed, (laughs) right? You look up stress and there's me in the, no, but I mean, I think that comes too with like sobriety is now that we do open up all this extra brain space. Now we're just like, it's on and the creative juices start flowing and there's just so much room to do more, but then sometimes, yeah, we were our own worst enemies and we add stress onto our life, but it's different stress. Like I would never, I kept thinking about this, like I'm stressed kind you know, this week, but I would not want to be the other kind of stress that I was, you know, like worrying about money, worrying about every, every little thing that somebody said to me and overanalyzing it. Like I don't do that anymore. I don't know if you did that too, but I would, you know, just overanalyze everything. And now I really don't. So the stress is different. I wouldn't trade it back, but. Yeah. And I feel so proud of myself that I am not dramatic anymore. I feel proud that stuff can happen to me and I can take a moment and think about it and then do stuff whatever it is, and I'm not reactive to situations. I I used to cause problems, like you said, with all the drama and overanalyzing everybody's words and what they did or didn't do or this email. I caused a lot of my own problems with that. And now I'm just like chill and it's great. Yes, I feel exact. I feel exactly the same. And that's why I just feel so passionate about helping people to get out of that. Cause I'm like, ah, it doesn't, life doesn't have to be that stressful. You don't have to be like, you know, stuck in that, that cycle. It is better. And it's, it's just so hard to show them. But obviously I feel like that's why you and I do what, what we do. And we both have taken like career path changes to even bring this to people. And that's what it's been so cool too, with you and your, you know, pretty big career change. Um, so tell me more about that. Like, was it like, um, you quit drinking and now since you kind of had a sciencey background, you're like this, I need to like dive into this. How, how did that sort of come about? So day one of not drinking, 
was just like, hang on, get through the day, survive it, comfort myself, eat mozzarella sticks, whatever. And then day two, I woke up and the hangover was gone. And I felt the full weight of the decision that I had just made (laughs) to never drink again for the rest of my life. And there was peace with it, which I'm sure you felt too. It's just peaceful knowing it's over. And there was fear. Like, what do I do now? Uh, What does this mean for my life? What does this mean about me that I can't drink? So I just wanted to understand, like, why me? I always, like, grew up saying that I was so strong and all this stuff and that I would never let that happened to me. And then without even realizing it, it had happened to me. And I hated myself for it. So I just had to understand why this happened to me and if it was really my fault. And that's why I started reading about it. So day two, I was already learning about it. And anxiety was the first thing that I learned about because that was something that I had developed in my drinking. And it was just a personal project that I did by myself to understand my situation. And then I realized like this really helped me not blame myself or hate myself. And I saw other people asking, you know, does anyone else have anxiety in the middle of the night? Or does anyone else like hate themselves or feel super depressed or why can't I stop drinking once I started? Like all the questions that I knew the answers to. So I decided to put it out there randomly and people actually liked it. <laughs> right. And how far along with, were you on your sober journey when you started your Instagram page? I was only eight months sober. I was a little sober baby, but I thought that I was a pro. <laughs> Did you feel that way? Like under a year, I was like, I am so sober. Like I got this. I know everything. I'm so mature and evolved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was six months when I started mine. And the funny thing is, and I've shared this before, I didn't realize sober Instagram was a thing. I thought I, I I thought I was like the pioneer of it. I thought it went went around (laughs) long before us, but I feel like with the pandemic, um, you know, that's kind of when, when I, I mean, I got sober during the pandemic. And so that is when I had started mine and, but it's, it's just so funny, but don't you feel like too, having the, especially starting an Instagram page early on, even though we didn't feel like it was early on at the time, but being eight months sober, that it was like another accountability and another like protective layer, because now you're public, people are watching you, you're helping people. And we can't let people down, you know? So for I feel like personally, if I never started my page, I don't think I would made, have made it this far. Actually, I pretty much feel like I wouldn't have at all. I would have went back to drinking. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I did need the accountability because thoughts of moderating came back multiple times throughout my sobriety. Like I would see other people share and I would think, oh, you weren't that bad. Maybe you went overboard with this whole sober thing and maybe you can moderate now. I mean, you haven't drank in whatever amount of time. So you've learned so much, like all those lies that we tell ourselves. And 
I had been posting and podcasting every week and I knew people woke up on Friday morning and they looked for a new episode from me and that it was important to them because podcasting helped me so much when I quit and I depended on those episodes. So I felt like I just had to keep going and not indulge those thoughts, but it is really challenging. And I think that's why it's important to get in community, however it works best for you to do that. But knowing that other people care about your sobriety is really important. Like, I feel like if I randomly disappeared, you would text me and you'd just be like, hey, haven't seen anything. Or Ketsia one morning, um, I had the vid (laughs) and I had just started my network. So I had to move to a different hosting platform for my podcast and I didn't know how to use it. I thought I scheduled my episode to go out and I was... I was sleeping all day because I had the vid and Ketsia was texting me in the morning and she's like, Hey, your episode didn't go up this morning. Like, are you okay? Is everything all right? And it, it's just great when people check on you and you know that you're cared about. Yes, absolutely. And that is such a, a great, you know, segue into why community is so important. And, you know, you and I both have like our communities, which I I feel like, you know, have been so amazing and helpful for so many people, including ourselves. So tell me a little bit more about your, your membership. And do you have like men and women? How, How many times do you guys meet a week? You know, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so everybody is welcome. All different age ranges too, which I love and you probably get this too but I get some people like 60 and up that will reach out and they'll be like I don't know is there anyone like me in there and it's like there's plenty come on in so I love that there are so many different age groups and we have men we have women Um, we meet three times a week and it's just cool because you get to know everybody and people will sometimes make accountability statements at the end. Like they'll get the courage up to say like, I'm going to this thing and I'm nervous and I want you guys to know, and I'm not going to drink at it. And now everybody knows you have this wedding or this like outing that you're doing on this day and we're all going to bug you. So it's just, it's really great. And I like it a lot because it helps me remember the beginning. It's so easy to forget that, like early sobriety struggles. And I see other people going through it and I'm like, wow, that really sucked. I I remember that part. That was so bad. What do you think about yours? Does it help you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I feel like just even when I started doing the meetings back in October of 2021, for sure. Like I started the meetings almost for myself, (laughs) to be honest. And just, I knew I worked three nights a week and then I was doing meetings like two two or three nights a week. So I'm like, all right, those those are three nights I don't have to worry about because I know I have to log in. Um, But yeah, just the community and the way that the women almost, sometimes I don't have to do much. Like they're just there supporting each other and, you know, the, the group chat and, all of those things, it just, show, I don't know how people get sober without community with, and it happens because I'll have, I just met a guy the other day 
and he was two years sober, never, never been to a, a recovery, like any type of meeting or support group or anything. I was like, wow. I'm like, well, if you start coming now, you're going to, it's going to get even better because just knowing that you're not alone and talking about all the different things that come with it, especially early on. Um, I just think, yeah, if anybody's listening and you don't have a community, I mean, you can go to Jill's, go to Sober Powered, check out hers. You can come to Sober Sisters, like whatever, Sober Buddy, any of those things. Um, there's just so many out there and just find find what works for you. And I mean, you could just make some really lifelong friendships and, you know, but yeah, I love that. So what, yeah, you go. Did you do meetings right away or did you, did you try to do it on your own or did you do like an online group? What was your beginning like? Yeah. So I had actually looked up a bunch of times like AA meetings. I was like, I don't know. And I looked them up in the area, but I never went. And then it was, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in that, that box or whatever it was. I just, I don't know why I was always just really too afraid And then all of a sudden the pandemic happens and every, all these virtual meetings started popping up. And so, um, yeah, I went to like a virtual meeting. I didn't go to like a ton of them, but I did go right around the time, right in my beginning, like the first week I would say. And actually I had signed up for like a membership type thing and I never went to any meetings. I just was paying for it. And finally, when I had my, my rock bottom moment and I was like, all right, I need to do something. And I went on this call and I was like, holy crap, like, look at all these people and they all look so normal. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like everybody who comes to the meetings, they're like really high functioning, like, you know, smart people with careers and families and that you would never, that are just like us that you would never like expect. And so, yeah, I did do some meetings, but not like a ton, never did a 12 step. Um, I know that it works for a lot of people. I just, it hasn't been part of my journey. And, um, yeah. And then I started my Instagram at six months sober and just started doing my own meetings based on kind of the ones that I had went to and what I felt I needed in the beginning. Yeah. How about you? Did you ever go to like a 12 step meeting or do anything in the beginning? I felt like it would be helpful and I researched it a lot, but I was scared that I would know someone. And uh, cause I was a teacher before before my first career change (laughs) into biotech, I was teaching and I didn't want to run into one of the parents and then them be like, you were drinking like that while you're teaching my kid. I didn't drink during work, but that's what I was worried about. And then when things went virtually, I did check out a few. Um, Laura from Your Sober Pal took me to my first virtual meeting because I was so scared and she went with me and and I just like had my camera off and listened and she actually participated and kind of showed showed me the way and that was very helpful but it's scary you don't know who's in there you don't know what they're gonna be like are they gonna like cold call you or It's really scary to log in for the first time. Right. Absolutely. But it's so, such a game changer. And it's so, and that's why I'm like, if people could just get themselves to their first, you know, online virtual meeting, it it could change it all. I, I You're right. It's so scary. But that's the cool thing. You can keep your camera off if you want. Like, I definitely urge people, 
you know, the first time, cool, but then try to participate, like be there. You're, you're already there. And that's when like the magic happens is when you start talking about it and you start saying it in a safe place with people that totally get you and aren't judging you. And, and that's, you know, obviously what we've, what we've created. So it's so cool. I'm so proud of us. Yeah. I agree with you. And the longer that you don't participate, the harder it becomes. Right. Because then it's like you've been there and they've been seeing you and it's like, well, who are you? What do we, you know, we want to know more about you and you're right. So it's better to just share. I remember actually the first meeting I went to, there's so many people and I did want to share and I put my little like virtual hand and then it like ran out of time. I never got to like say anything. And I was like, so now sometimes I'm always like, I'll stay on. If, are you sure guys? And like speak now. Yeah. Like, I really want everybody if, if they want to, I want to give that opportunity. I have stayed on sometimes even extra time just to, to make sure. Um, but yeah, once you, it's so freeing to be able to say it out loud and to be like, Ooh, okay. Wow. But yeah. It's- and then no one thinks you're weird or bad it's well-received, everyone's nice and happy for you, or they're supportive if it's something they can't be happy for. But and, and then the next time it's easier. So, but it is, it is scary. It's something that I was terrified of. So I, I get the fear, but I agree with you. It's a game changer. The people in those meetings are so nice and it's just really worth it. And if it sucks, you leave. Yeah, you leave and you go try another one, you know, like you find what works for you. You might not like the first one. You might not vibe with it. You might be like, I don't know. It just, and so then you just try another one because we're so lucky. There are so many other options these days. And I'm just laughing because there's the vacuum going on behind me, but hopefully we can, hopefully it'll come out. But this is real life. This is real life podcasting on the Soba Sisters podcast. My kids are home from school and I didn't realize they went back for two and then off for one and all of that. So, uh, but we just roll with it, right? You can't, we can't make be drama about it. And now that we are not drinking, we're not drama and we're just going to roll with it. And it's real life. So, <laughs> so um, what's next for you? Anything that you're, you're working on or for the future or? Nothing new, I think, which is exciting. Because I've been pushing for so long to just do all the things. And now I'm just trying to do the current things better. But I do start school next week um, at the college that I teach at. And I have three courses and one lab. And then there's five other professors that are teaching labs that go with my courses So I kind of have to like coordinate with them and it's a lot. I'm going to be teaching off and on like eight to five, two days a week without the driving. So I'm trying to mentally prepare for those super long days and just not having a lot of time anymore. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought I was busy. I, I forget that you're also a professor and that's, those are long days. And then running your own podcast network and your, your membership and all, gosh, that's just insane, but it's amazing. It is, yeah. <laughs> it, it's And I, I don't know if that is something like in our personalities, that's like, okay, we gave up drinking and now we're going to go all in on sobriety and we're going to eat, sleep and breathe it and just 
be keep ourselves just so busy, which can be a good thing, but can also, you know, we have to take care of our, ourselves and, you know, find balance. And I know you and I are both working on that and, and hopefully we'll get to a workout together soon. Yeah. Do you feel like you've become a total workaholic um, since you quit drinking? I, yes, in a way. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. But I, again, I wouldn't trade it. Um, but it's at this point, it is like, how do I find, how do I find balance? Um, but it's amazing how much time we open up in our life when we're not either. I felt like I was drinking, thinking about drinking or recovering from it. So now you take those three things away and it's like Pandora's box. Um, and I just, I, I love it all. I really do. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, I mean, come on, we got to, we got to like have just some, you know, downtime. I, I sometimes feel like I don't even have downtime to read a book that I want to read. And like, that. oh my God, I don't know the last time I read a book. I don't know. Right. And if you're like me, I mean, I have like 3000 books. I just keep buying them, but then I'm not, I don't have the time to just. I am like you. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many books, like so many sobriety books, self-help books, self-development, like all those types of things. And I just stare at them. I even bought like a nice bookshelf. I put it together myself. I was so proud. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And awesome. they sit there and they remind me that I'm not doing enough self-care. It is, it is such, I, I have a client right now and that's like what we've kind of been working on. I feel like this does sometimes happen, especially when you hit like at least six months and you're far enough away, but now you're, you've been eat, sleeping and breathing sobriety and you, you get a little burnt out, you know, with it all. But again, it's way better than, than the opposite. So, um, but yeah, well, thank you so much. I've loved all of this. Again, it's going to be so helpful for people, especially anyone who's, kind of still believes and has that limiting belief that alcohol relaxes them. It doesn't, it, it's a temporary little lie and it's in the long run, it doesn't, it, it does anything but that it, it adds fuel to it. So I appreciate your insights in that. Yeah. And thank you for having me on. And it was fun uh, to see you be the podcast host. <laughs> It's a cool experience, right? I just need the fancy microphone and hopefully next time I won't be in a room with bunk beds and have like (laughs) my house getting cleaned behind me and all this fun stuff. But yeah, it's been awesome. So I I hope someday I can be nearly successful with my um, podcast as you are. And I love just learning and and watching you and, and all those fun things. So thank you for the inspiration. All right. Thank you, everybody. 